0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.
1: And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and oh, do we have a great show planned for you today? Our first guest is Leslie Lauer. She's with UBS Financial Services Private Wealth Management. I'd like to thank our our advertisers as well: Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Sunup Group, and T and Company. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show, visit our website, Critical Mass for spelled out F-O-R, business.com. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Leslie to the show. Leslie, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you. It's Thanks for having me.
1: I've been so excited to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about ESOPs, ladies and gentlemen. So, Leslie, let's start first by talking about you, though. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your professional background, your path to your current position?
2: Okay. I started my career in Toledo, Ohio, working for a large regional bank, and in 1989, I moved to South Bend, Indiana to work in a bank consulting firm with the with the practice. In 1994, I transferred to Columbus, Ohio with that same CPA firm, and that's really when I got involved with ESOPs. I started on a Monday in the benefits group, and on the Friday I attended one of the large national ESOP conferences, and from then I I was hooked. Uh, That's when I really began working with them and getting very involved in both the National ESOP Association in Washington. I sat on their board of governors for nine years. The National Center for Employee Ownership, which is here in California in Oakland, sat on their board for six, chaired it for two, been a frequent speaker on lots of topics related to ESOPs, ESOP feasibility, what makes a good ESOP, managing ESOP cash and the repurchase obligation, and most recently, the Section 1042 tax benefit for the selling shareholders of C-Corporation stock. In 1998, I became the director of acquisitions for an ESOP-owned holding company, made a number of platform acquisitions, did some other transactions. That's where I really learned a lot about structuring ESOPs. In 2005, my husband and I actually bought out the majority owners of an ESOP. We partnered with a 30% ESOP. And in 2006, I got securities license and joined my team here at UBS. It's the ESOP group. We work nationally with business owners uh, looking at at transitioning their ownership to their employees through an ESOP and specifically taking advantage of the 1042 tax deferral.
1: So you can see, ladies and gentlemen, why I've been so excited to have Leslie here on the show because of her rich history and varied history in this industry. So for for the business owners and CEOs that listen to Critical Mass Radio Show, can you explain in general terms what is an ESOP?
2: Well, an ESOP is a defined contribution plan just like a 401k plan or a profit-sharing plan, um, but it's a plan that invests primarily in employer securities. It's governed by the ERISA Act of 1974, and it's re- that's really the primary governing law regulating ESOPs. In 1986, Congress passed a number of laws with favorable tax advantages to encourage business owners to establish ESOPs, and overall, the intent was to create employee equity ownership and increase retirement assets for working-class Americans.
1: So, can you tell us a little bit more, maybe, uh, so it sounds like ESOPs are a trust, so Uh, because I'm familiar with ERISA and and IRAs. So can you give us a little bit more about how ESOPs are structured?
2: Sure. Why don't I just take you through the steps uh, necessary? So first, the the company borrows money from an outside lender, outside investors, or the selling shareholder themselves. Uh, Secondly, the company loans the ESOP money for the purchase of acquiring, for the purpose of acquiring those shares, this is called a levered ESOP or a leveraged ESOP, owners can sell from 1% to 100% of their stock uh, to the newly created ESOP in exchange for cash or a promissory note. Over time, those shares are allocated to the employee's accounts annually. Generally, this is as a proportion of their annual compensation. So if I'm 2% of the payroll, I'm going to get 2% of the shares allocated to me over time. Ultimately, employees receive cash in exchange for their shares upon death, disability, retirement, and termination.
1: So this, to me, sounds like an excellent way for business owners to consider leaving their business and Mm -hmm. and exit strategy, but... In your experience, Leslie Lauer, can you, can you explain or describe the ideal candidate company for an ESOP?
2: Well, a C-corporation or an S-corporation can have an ESOP. Uh, if the corporation, of the selling shareholder owns C-corporation shares, that's ideal because they have the ability to take advantage of that code section 1042. Um, but it's really a business, uh, business owner in tris- transition or looking for liquidity. I would say the number one, quality of the company. as a strong management team. It takes a strong team to manage an ESOP company on an ongoing basis. It needs to be a healthy business with steady, predictable cash flow and a realistic valuation. Uh, I would say greater than 5000000 million. I've, I've heard that number thrown around. Our average transaction is is a little bit larger than that.
1: You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Leslie Lauer is our guest in our first segment. She's with UBS Financial Services Private Wealth Management. So, Leslie, what are the reasons for business owners, say, choosing an ESOP as an exit strategy?
2: There are a number of reasons why a business owner may look to a, an ESOP strategy as their succession. Um, but there are a lot of other reasons. If the company has a low basis, this 1042 benefit, the ability to defer slash avoid paying their capital gains tax is a, is a big benefit. Um, they're often used to buy out a partner. Uh, maybe that's a partner that just wants to move on or they passed away. It's a great tool to buy out a partial interest in a business. Divorce. Oftentimes we get involved in ESOP transactions where there's a divorce and Uh, One party or the other needs liquidity, and it's a great way to to get partial liquidity without bringing in a third party. Uh, Some people just want to share the ownership and incentivize management. They want to create a culture of ownership, and statistically, ESOP companies and employees are more productive. Interesting. The National Center for Employee Ownership has a lot of those statistics. Uh, It allows for an orderly exit from the business over time where the owner is paid out with essentially pre-tax dollars. And the owner is, if the owner is simply retiring and there's no family in the business to tr- transition it to, it's a, it's a great tool. And sometimes people just want to keep the name on the door. They have a lot of pride in the business, and, and it allows them to do that.
1: We're here at Critical Mass Radio Show. The, um We are attempting, ladies and gentlemen, to give you a general overview of ESOP, and and Leslie uh, is experienced in the field. So we're going to come back and continue the conversation. Matter of fact, one of the most interesting aspects, from my perspective, of an ESOP is the tax implications for the seller. So uh, after the break, can we come back and talk about that? Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. We're streamed live on OCTalkRadio.net, and we're going to take a short commercial break. Be back. We'll be back here in less than two minutes.
0: Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles.
3: You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months, or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's my cell, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call.
1: I just want to share with you my experience as a member of Center Club. Many of you know that I've been a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa, California for over six years. I hold my monthly CEO peer group meetings, my annual executive conferences, and my daily business meetings at the club. You know, I found the staff to be both professional and courteous. My guests enjoy meeting at the Center Club with its newly remodeled meeting rooms, dining rooms, and common areas. If you're looking for a place to conduct meetings, host events, or meet some of Orange County's most successful business leaders, then consider joining Center Club in Costa Mesa. For more information regarding club membership and private events like a wedding or a giant birthday party, please visit the club's website at center-club.com. All right, you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. As I said, we stream it live every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. here on Orange County's only community radio station, OC octalkradio.net. Of course, all of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show, and they've put the player on their website. Since we started the show in 2009, we've reached over 170,000 listeners with our podcast. Simply type these four words in your favorite podcasting software, Critical Mass Radio Show. All right, let's get back to the interview with Leslie Lauer. Leslie is with UBS Financial Services Private Wealth uh, Management. Before the break, I said we were going to talk about the tax I find this such a fascinating area and it seems like a wonderful opportunity. I'd like you to explain what are the tax implications for the seller in an ESOP?
2: let me explain Section 1042. In 1986, Congress included a provision in the tax code to allow business owners of C Corporation stock to sell their stock to an ESOP and to make a 1042 election to defer slash avoid paying the capital gains tax on the sale of proceeds they receive from the ESOP if the selling shareholder reinvests such proceeds in qualified replacement property, otherwise known as QRP. So I'm going to use that. Acronym. Got it. QRP consists of stocks and bonds of U.S. operating companies. For a Section 1042 election to be available to a selling shareholder, the ESOP must own at least 30% of the company's equity upon completion of the sale. So let me give you a little bit of background there. In Please. 1988, a significant transaction, the Avis rental car company, became an ESOP, and the owners, along with GE, Keter, P, Peabody, and Goldman, helped develop a special security only purchased by ESOP selling shareholders. The security is a floating-rate note and has a, today a 40, 50-year maturity, has a floating interest rate, it has non-call features, it also has put features, allowing the owner to sell back to the issuer after 10 years at 100 cents on the dollar. Owners reinvest in a diversified pool of these ESOP FRNs, these ESOP floating rate notes, as their qualified replacement property. They margin the floating rate notes and use the funds obtained from the borrowing against the floating rate notes to create a diversified portfolio of investments that can include asset classes that are not eligible under the qualified replacement property rules under Section 1042. I'm happy to discuss this further one-on-one with anybody who's interested. All
1: right. Can you highlight the tax status of an ESOP as 100% employee-owned?
2: You know, it's something interesting. In 1998, S-Corps were given the ability to be owned by ESOPs. Today, it's estimated that there are about 4,500, 100% ESOP-owned companies paying no federal income tax. In most states, they pay no state income tax either. So let me explain. As the owner of an S-Corp, earnings flow through to the owner and tax is paid at the owner's individual tax rate. Think about it. If the company is owned entirely by an ESOP, which is a tax-exempt trust, its earnings are therefore tax-exempt. Just like you don't pay tax on earnings in your 401k plan until you take a distribution at age 70 and a half. Right. An ESOP does not have to own 100% of an S-corp, but they're, that's when they maximize their tax advantage and... Hmm. That's when they. I, that's when they maximize the tax advantage.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to Critical Mass Radio Show. Leslie Lauer is our guest, and she's explaining just a few of the many aspects of an ESOP. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, is now a good time for? Com- are you seeing the? You've been in the industry for a while. Are you seeing that now is a good time for companies and business owners to consider ESOP as an exit strategy?
2: Absolutely. There's really three things that drive our business, the, the investment business, and that's tax rates business valuations, and money in the capital markets to get selling shareholders cash out of their business and today all three of those are advantageous for ESOPs. There are a number of debt funds, private equity groups, unit lenders, insurance companies, pension plans that typically invest in ESOP transactions today. That's relatively new over these last maybe five to seven years. Interesting. Um, they're really looking to partner with management employees and find these types of investments attractive. Hmm. Uh, when I first got started working with business owners considering succession, they were in their 50s and 60s. Now we find they're in their 70s, 80s, 90s, <laughs> (laughs) We did a transaction with a 92-year-old about three years ago, and he was only ready to sell one of his three businesses. Uh, People are living longer, wanting to stay more fully employed longer, and for some, the sale of the ESOP is their third or fourth business. So ESOPs are really a great tool to stage a multi-year sale of of your shares, get full value and upside after the sale, and also spread the wealth.
1: We're talking with Leslie Lauer, and this is Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Uh, Leslie, we only have a few minutes left here in this segment, but I wonder, I have a, a couple more questions for you. I wonder if you could share the alternative uses for ESOPs with tax deductible dollars.
2: Yeah, you know, ESOPs were not only legislated as a technique for shareholders to monetize their ownership. They were intended to be a tool used for corporate finance. And a couple examples of that are, you know, we've seen ESOPs used to acquire the business or acquire the building that the the business is housed in. We've also seen it often used to acquire other companies uh, where they can offer great tax benefits to the to the selling shareholder. So those are probably two of the most common alternative uses of, of the ESOP structure. Right. So
1: to review, tell us again, Leslie Lauer, what are the two main drivers of ESOP activity?
2: Uh, I would say capital gains and just the tax-free nature of income of an S-Corp owned by an ESOP. And today, you know, In particular, in California, uh, where the combined capital gains tax rate is 20% plus 3.8% Affordable Care Act plus the 13.3% state, that's a 37.1% capital gains rate. So for the business owner selling for $10 million, that's $3.7 million going to the tax man. For a $100 million company today, that's $37 million. Wow. It's all relative, right? right? But we're seeing more nine-figure deals today getting done than at any other time in the history of ESOPs.
1: Interesting. You talked about the U.S. tax rate and capital capital gains. Um, c- can you just give us a little bit more insight or information in that area?
2: Uh, you know, one statistic, just an interesting data point. According to the Tax Foundation, the U.S. U.S. tax rate on capital gains is ten percent higher than than the uh, world average, and California has the third highest tax marginal tax rate on capital gains in the industrial world wow <laughs> and obama's budget whether this is approved in- actually increases capital gains from 23.8 to 28 percent um, we're expecting to see more interest in esops certainly if this is the case
1: all right so i am sure there are business owners out there who would like to learn more about uh this vehicle known as an esop how does someone get in touch with you or learn more about your firm
2: well, uh, again, I'm Leslie Lauer. I'm with UBS Private Wealth Management. I actually have two offices, one in Columbus, Ohio, and Atlanta, Georgia. Our phone number is 877-794-1042. And my email address yes. is Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E dot at UBS.com
1: I just want to thank you for being a friend of the program and welcome you to the Critical Mass community.
2: Thank you, Rick. It's, it's been a pleasure.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Leslie Lauer is a financial advisor
3: with UBS Financial Services, Inc., 3280 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Any information presented in this interview in general, uh, is general in nature and not intended to provide individually tailored investment advice. Investing uh, involves risks, and there's always the potential of losing money when you invest. So the views expressed herein are those of the advisor and may not necessarily reflect the views of UBS Financial Services, Inc. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc., nor any of its advisors, provides tax or legal advice, and you should always consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. Private Wealth Management's a division of UBS Financial Services Inc and UBS Financial Services Inc is a subsidiary of UBS AG member FINRA and SIPC. Mm.
4: and learn more about our executive peer group.
3: Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based and Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at t and When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret, with 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers. For over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results, a cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge, with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information.
0: You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.